Here is your Radio Theater Channel weekly podcast for download. The RTC still has the very best old-time radio on the live streaming. And if it's music you love, tune in to the RTC Music Channel, where this link and many others are on our website at oldtimeradiolisten.com. Now, here's Jim. Welcome one and all to the RTC Weekly Download. I'm your host, Jim Dolan, and because this is October and Halloween is getting near, it's time for a little bit of spooky entertainment. And I picked out two for you I think you're going to like. The Halls of Fantasy and Stones of Revenge. That's from 1953, but we're going to start off with a sealed book, and murder must be paid for. This is from 1945. The Sealed Book Once again, the keeper of the book has opened the ponderous door to the secret vault, wherein is kept the great sealed book, in which is recorded all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. Here are tales of every kind, tales of murder, of madness, of dark deeds, strange and terrible beyond all belief. Keeper of the book, I would know what tale we tell this time. Open the great book and let us read. Slowly, the great book opens. One by one, the keeper of the book turns the pages and stops. Ah, the strange story of a murderer who found that justice has an uncanny way of working itself out, as in the tale titled, Murder Must Be Paid For. As it is written in the pages of the sealed book. Our story begins in the office of Judge Wallace, Lucy Holden's legal advisor. Judge Wallace, an anxious expression on his face, is pleading with the beautiful young woman. Lucy, listen to me. You mustn't do this. Believe me, you're making a terrible mistake. I don't think so, Judge Wallace. I love Tom and I'm going to marry him. Lucy, I didn't want to tell you this because no one can prove it. But Tom Barrow murdered your father. I know a lot of people think he murdered Dad, but I don't believe it. I wish I didn't. 
Listen, Lucy. Tom and your father were on a hunting trip. Your father died with a rifle bullet through his heart from his own rifle. Tom said your father dropped the gun accidentally and it went off. Yes, I know all that. Do you know that Tom robbed your own father on a business deal and would have gone to jail if your father had lived another week? I know people say so. But have you any proof? No. Your father died. There's no case. Well, Judge, you've done your duty and warned me. So the responsibility is mine. All right, Lucy. You know, you've grown very pretty since you went away to school. Four years. I'm sorry we haven't seen anything of you in all that time. I'm sorry, too, but Dad wanted me to stay east. You know, Judge Wallace, I met my sister when I was in New York last winter. Your sister? Mm -hmm. What sister, Lucy? Doreen. Don't you know about her? Doreen? No. I never knew you had a sister. I didn't either until Dad wrote me and told me about it. But you knew Dad's first wife ran away with an actor a year after she and Dad were married. Yes, I knew that, but that's all. Well, Doreen was his first child. Her mother took her along when she ran away. I... I wondered if Dad had mentioned Doreen in his will. No, he didn't. Well, I'm going to send her some money anyway. Will that be all right? Yes, of course. It's your money now. The whole million dollars. Thank you, Judge Wallace. Well, I have to go now. Tom's waiting for me. We're going to be married right away. And Lucy married Tom Barrow. Big and blonde and arrogantly self-assured. Tongues wagged over the marriage, but ignoring the gossip, the happy couple settled down at Barrow House on the edge of high cliffs, looking out over the Pacific. There, Lucy wrote many letters, especially to her half-sister, Doreen. Dear Doreen, I hope that at last you're going to have a chance to visit Tom and me here at Barrow House. I know you'd like Tom, and he'd like you. Hello, darling. Oh. Well, more letters to Doreen? Oh, yes, Tom. I'm trying to persuade her to come visit us, and since her show's going to be in San Francisco all this week... Oh, good. I... If she's half as pretty as you are, I'll welcome her with open arms. Well, people in New York used to take us for twins, but she's really much more sophisticated than I am. She's an actress. Uh, sounds more and more interesting. <laughs> but how about coming for a speedboat ride, hon? Water's just right. Oh, I can't. This is the day I volunteered to help the sisters at the Mission Hospital. Oh, for Pete's sake. Uh, that's a 30-mile drive, 20 to town and 10 more beyond. You won't get back till after dark. I'm sorry, Tom, but I promise. And so, a short time later, Lucy drove off to her volunteer nursing work. So she was not present to see the dusty taxi that drove up to the house several hours later, leaving a visitor. Hmm. I wonder if anyone's home. Ahoy, the house! Is anyone in? Nobody but me. Who are you? Why, oh, Lucy. <laughs> Wrong guess, mister. Try again. Holy smoke, I thought... No, your hair's done differently, and you're taller. Say, well, you can't be Doreen. Why not? Is there a law against it? A mystery, sister, here at last. And on the day Lucy's away. 
You mean I've missed her? Oh, she'll be back tonight, and you're staying, aren't you? Mm-mm, can't. I have to get back to town to catch the 7 o'clock train for Frisco. No, that's too bad, but, well, there's uh, no reason you and I shouldn't get acquainted before then, is there? None I can think of offhand. Well, then come on in. I'll show you around, and then I'll mix us a couple of drinks. Okay? Okay. Ah, that tastes good. <clears throat> well, how do you like our little place now that you've seen it? I go for it. Imagine sitting out here on the cliffs every evening and watching the sun set into the Pacific. Pay us a visit and you can do it. Well, maybe I will. How high are these cliffs anyway, Tom? Eighty feet, straight down to the Pacific. There's deep water at the foot of them. Oh, I'd hate to fall off. But as for the visit idea, on second thought, I don't think I will. Uh, why not? We'd love to have you. I know I would. Oh, that's just the trouble. I might find myself poaching on little Lucy's territory. Do you uh, mean that? Mm -hmm, yes. Now I can understand how little Lucy came to fall for the guy who killed her father. So you've heard that gossip, eh? Yes, but not from Lucy. You did kill him, didn't you? Of course not. It was an accident. A very regrettable accident. Oh, of course. Now, uh, how about driving me back to town? I'll just have time to catch my train. All right, but you're going to come again. I know it. Well, maybe. Well, you know, I think you and I could understand each other. It's too bad I didn't meet you first, instead of Lucy. <laughs> that evening, when Lucy returned, she was upset to learn that she had missed Doreen. But Tom said that Doreen had promised to come again in a few weeks. And then, because Lucy was tired... They retired early. But during the night, Tom awoke to find Lucy shaking him. Tom! Tom! Huh? What's the matter? What is it? Tom, you were talking in your sleep. T talking in my sleep? Yes. I thought you might be having a nightmare. No. No, I'm all right. Oh, I'm sorry, Tom, but when I heard you talking in your sleep, I thought uh, what, I... Uh, what was I saying? Well, nothing that I could understand. Why? Uh, no reason. Just curious, that's all. I've never talked in my sleep before that I know of. Oh, yes, you have, darling. Several times the last few weeks. Lucia, are you telling me the truth? Why, of course. Why should I lie about such a silly little thing? No, of course you wouldn't. Mm. Lucy. Yes, Tom? Suppose I sleep in the corner room after this. In the corner room? Why, Tom, you aren't serious. I'm perfectly serious. The realization that I might be disturbing you would make me more and more nervous until I wouldn't be able to sleep at all. Well, if that's really the case. I... It is, and anyway, we'll try it for a while, shall we? After Tom moved to the corner room, there was an atmosphere of strain between him and Lucy. Lucy, however, pretended not to notice it and went about as though everything was just as it had been. She wrote many long letters to her sister Doreen, but Tom noticed that whenever he came close to her, 
She covered the letters so that he could not see what she was writing. His suspicions aroused, he waited until she left one of them in the mailbox for the rural delivery carrier to pick up. As soon as she was out of sight, he swiftly ripped it open and read it. Now, Lucy, we'll see what you're so carefully hiding from me. Dear Doreen, I have dreadful news for you. Now I know that Tom did kill my father. Night after night, I've been listening outside his door, becoming more and more certain. Last night, he cried out distinctly, I killed him, I killed him, but they'll never prove it, never. Doreen, what shall I do? If he killed father, he may kill me. I go in fear of my life. I've taken one of his hunting knives, and I carry it around with me to protect myself in case he attacks me. So, that's how it is. That's what you've been up to, eh? Well, Lucy, I think that you and I must have a little talk. But when Tom returned to the house, Lucy was not there. At last he located her, standing at her favorite spot on the cliffs near the house, a spot that overhung the sea which beat unceasingly against the rocks beneath, his footsteps muffled by the sound of the surf. Tom came quietly up behind her. Lucy! Oh, Tom, you frightened me. Lucy, I want to talk to you. What about? I just read the letter you wrote your sister. You... you opened it? Yes. You little fool, you know perfectly well such evidence means nothing in a court, nothing. Now, why not be sensible? Come on, Lucy, let's forget the whole thing. It's over and done with. No, no, stay away from me. Don't come near me. Lucy, put that knife down. No. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just trying to talk sense to you. No, don't come any closer. Lucy, be careful. You go over the cliff if you... Lucy, look out! to continue the story as it is written in the sealed book. Tom Barrow, a look of horror on his face, 
stared over the edge of the cliff from which Lucy had fallen. Lucy was gone, swallowed up in the huge waves 80 feet below. Tom searched desperately for her until darkness fell and forced him to return to the house. He strove to calm his nerves and plan a course of action. That's better. Now maybe I can think. They'll say I murdered her, but they won't be able to prove it. No matter what they think, they'll be able to prove nothing. <laughs> then the joke will be on Lucy. I'll inherit the whole estate her father left her. And that is a laugh. <laughs> Hello? Hello, brother-in-law. Uh, Doreen, where are you? In town. Is Lucy there? I thought I'd come out and visit you two. Uh, no, uh, no, she's not here just now. Well, when will she be back? Or don't you want me to come see you? Uh, yes, but... Doreen, listen. Yes? There's something I've got to talk to you about, privately. Where are you now? At the restaurant across from the railroad station. Stay there for half an hour. I'll meet you there. I have a proposition for you, and I think you're going to like it. So that's the whole story, Doreen. I just wanted to talk sense to her, and she backed away from me and fell over the cliff. So you killed her, did you, Tom? No, I tell you, I didn't. It was an accident. All right, it was an accident. As a matter of fact, I'm inclined to believe you. Now, what did you want to talk to me about? Well, Doreen, it should have been you and me, not me and Lucy. You and I belong together. Mm, maybe. Go on, Tom. Now, here's my idea. You look like Lucy. Uh -huh. I want you to take Lucy's place. Take Lucy's place? Yes. We'll be married secretly. You'll call yourself Lucy. No one will ever know the difference, and... I'll give you half the estate that Lucy inherited from her father because now that she's dead, I'll inherit it all from her father. Think, Doreen, a half a million dollars. So you want me to take Lucy's place, Tom? Clever. Yes, very clever. No public outcry, no investigation, no suspicion of you. No, Doreen, I'm crazy about you. And we'll get along swell together. We'll travel, have fun. You'll be rich. Yes, I'll be rich, Tom. Then you'll do it. No. I have a better scheme than that. What? What do you mean? If you're convicted of murdering Lucy, Tom, you can't inherit her estate. Then it'll come to me as her next of kin. That way I'll have it all. Doreen. So I'm not going to fall in with your plan. Instead, I'm going to work one of my own. I'm going to see you convicted of murdering Lucy. <laughs> And so, despite Tom's frantic arguments, Doreen insisted that he go with her to Lucy's old friend, Judge Wallace. Judge Wallace called in the prosecuting attorney, and they heard Tom's story in silence. It won't wash, Barrow. First the father, then the daughter die in accidents. With you, the only witness. It's too much for anyone to believe. Judge Wallace, I have letters from Lucy proving that she'd heard him admit in his sleep that he killed her father and that she was afraid of him. How about it, Mr. Roden? Can we hold him for murder? I'm afraid not, Judge Wallace. The letters would help, but they're not enough legally to win a conviction. Unless Lucy's body can be found with some evidence of murder about it, the law can do nothing. Lucy's body will be found sooner or later. I'm going to offer a reward for it. 
And then we'll see whether you can be convicted or not. But a week went by, and a second week, and Lucy's body was not recovered from the restless waters of the Pacific. A third week, and Tom Barrow began to breathe easily again. Then one morning, he received a call from the prosecuting attorney to view the body of a young woman that had been found on the beach by fishermen not far from Barrow House. Well, here I am. Where's the body? Is it Lucy, Mr. Roden? I prefer not to give an opinion until you've both seen her. Attendant, uh, open number 17, please. I lift the sheet so you can see the face. I'm afraid it's badly battered, probably by rocks. <gasps> oh! That's not Lucy. I'm positive of it. Well, Miss Holden, what do you say? Uh, I'm not sure. Now, I have everything that was on the body here in this envelope. Two rings and a silver pin. Here they are. Mr. Barrow, do you recognize them? No. No, I don't. I can't be sure about the rings, but that pin with Lucy's. I sent it to her for a wedding present. If you look on the back, you will see engraved to L from D with love. That would be to Lucy from Doreen, wouldn't it? It would. I think that settles the identification. But there's one more point, as you'll see when I turn back the sheet further. <gasps> a knife. A knife through her heart. No, it can't be. Your knife, Mr. Barrow, with your name stamped on it. Thomas Barrow, you're under arrest for murder. Thomas Barrow, you have been found guilty of murder as charged. The sentence of this court, accordingly is that at four o'clock in the afternoon on the day of June 3rd, you shall suffer death in the lethal chamber of the state penitentiary. And may God have mercy on your soul.
to continue the story as it is written in the sealed book. Tom Barrow's lawyer appealed the death verdict, but his appeal was rejected. The evidence was far too overwhelming. Tom kept protesting, but of course, no one believed him. Except the visitor whom the guard brought to his death cell one afternoon. Here you are, Miss Doreen. Thank you, guard. You can talk to him for ten minutes, that's all. I'll stand back here where I can keep an eye on him, but I won't be listening. Hello, Tom. You devil. You did this. If it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't be here now. But you are here where you belong. You ought to be amused at the way things turned out, Tom. If it hadn't been for you and those letters and that knife. You know how that knife came to be in Lucy's body. Yes, I do know. Lucy put it there. Lucy put it there? Yes, Tom. You killed Lucy's father, but the law couldn't touch you. So Lucy married you, just so she could see you punished. I don't believe you. You will. First, Lucy made you think that you talked in your sleep. That you'd admitted the truth that way. Made me think I'd talked in my sleep. Yes, because you didn't, ever. But when you got frightened and insisted on having a separate room, she knew definitely you were guilty. Then she carried out the plan she'd made long before to see you punished. You're crazy. It was all an accident. She fell off the cliff. Yes, Tom, that's right. She fell off the cliff, but she's not dead. In college, Lucy was a swimming champion. She'd die from that cliff many times. When she fell, she simply swam underwater until she was out of sight behind some rocks. Then she swam ashore. (laughs) A few miles down the beach, she had a motorboat hidden in an old boathouse. She reached it, changed her clothes, and got to a fishing village down the coast in the boat. Then she simply took a bus to town. No one paid any attention to her. the body, her rings... That wasn't Lucy's body. It was the body of a girl who happened to resemble her in size and coloring. I knew it. That girl had been killed in an automobile accident. Lucy was able to secure her body, never mind how, and concealed it in the water in the boathouse only a day or two before she put her plan into operation. After she fell off the cliff, she put her rings and pin on the body and thrust the knife into the heart. And after three weeks in the water, well, you understand. So that's it. Well, go on. What's the rest of it? When the time came, I saw to it that the body was taken from the boathouse and put on the beach where it could be found. And then I identified it. And here you are, Tom. You devils, both of you. But you won't get away with it. I'll get my lawyers to find Lucy I'm and... afraid that's impossible. No one can find Lucy. What do you mean, if she's alive? She's alive, but no one will find her, Tom. Because, Tom, I'm Lucy, too. I'm both Doreen and Lucy, you see. You... You can't be... Oh, but I am. Think, Tom. Did you ever see Doreen and Lucy together? Of course. That day you went to the mission... Yes. It was easy to stop in town, change my clothes, fix my hair differently... Put on lots of makeup and high heel shoes and come back as Doreen. The sister I'd been so carefully making you believe in all along. I should have guessed. I should have guessed. Why should you? No one else did. There was a real Doreen once who died as a baby. But that gave me the idea. And I made you think Doreen had her own selfish motive for seeing you convicted. So you wouldn't suspect we were both the same girl. You devil. Perhaps some people would say what I've done is wrong. But I don't think so. Because you killed my father... And murder must be paid for, Tom, as you're going to pay. Guard! Guard! What is it? What do you want? Call the warden. My wife isn't dead. This is her, do you hear? It's all a trick. Oh, I'm afraid his mind is given away under the strain, guard. Yes, you'd better leave now, miss. 
We'll look after him. Yes, thank you. I'm afraid his mind is gone completely. Don't let her get away. I tell you, she's my wife. She's Lucy, my wife. Now, take it easy. Take it easy. The warden will be here in a minute, and you can talk to him all you like on your way to the lethal chamber. No. No, I'm innocent. I tell you, I've been framed. She's not dead. My wife's not dead. I'm innocent. 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 And so ends the tale. Murder must be paid for. As it is written in the sealed book, Tom Barrow paid the supreme penalty, though he protested his innocence to the last. Strange indeed are the ways of justice, from which no mortal can escape. Keeper of the book, before you close the great volume, show us the tale we tell next time. This one. Ah, yes. A tale of an old woman who for 40 years lived alone in a huge old New England mansion. A mansion in which death was the master. A tale titled, To Have and to Hold. sure to be with us again next time when the sound of the great gong heralds another strange and exciting tale from The Sealed Book. The Sealed Book, produced and directed by Jock McGregor, is written by Bob Arthur and David Cogan. Before we go to the halls of fantasy for Stone's Revenge... Let's go behind the mic to hear how a man makes his living by dying. We've had some people on this program who make their living out of radio in unusual ways. But I think our next guest tops them all. His name is Milton Herman, and he makes his living by dying. Milton, will you tell us about it? Why, yes, Graham. I guess you can say I make my living by dying. I specialize in playing the parts of heavies. That's to say, villains on programs. Mm -hmm. Rats who almost invariably get theirs in the end, and the listeners are glad of it. For two years, I played killers in true detective mysteries. I had the dubious distinction of playing the parts of Two-Gun Crowley, Babyface Nelson, and other thugs in Gangbusters. I was lefty in the well-known sketch, 
skyscraper, which was repeated five times on the air. Tough guy. Oh, I wasn't a gangster in that, Graham, but I fell off the top of a building and died that way. For the past ten years, I've played sourdoughs in Death Valley days. And for five years, I was with Warden Lord. Is that so? What were you in for? Just the program, Graham. My uh, characterizations are derived from observation and not experience. (laughs) Well, Milton, do you mind giving us a few examples of your peculiar art? I'd be glad to, Graham. Here's one way I frequently have to die. In this, a squealer is facing one of his mobs. I tell you, Dutch, I couldn't help it. The cops gave me the third degree. I didn't want to die. They made me. Oh, no. No, I didn't want to talk, I tell you. Dutch, Dutch, you're not going... Give me a chance. Put up that gun. Dutch! Don't! Don't! Give me a break! That body you heard falling wasn't Milton. His life insurance agent just fainted. Uh, Is there a different technique, Milton, uh, when you're bumped off by a knife? Yeah. Uh, It's us longer drawn out. You can feel the knife. (laughs) A nice guy to have at a party. Now, would you like to hear death by strangulation? I sure would, if you're sure it'll work. Well, in this one, I'm a night watchman in a silk warehouse making my rounds. Well, everything seems to be all right in there, I guess. I don't know how the audience feels, but I got chills playing tag up and down my spine. In programs like Death Valley Days, I sometimes have to die of thirst. See, I'm a prospector, and I'm trying to make the next water hole under the burning sun of the desert. Water. Water. Gotta get the water hole. You vultures, you aren't going to get me. You're never going to get me. Water. Water. Gotta get me. What a grand spot this would be for a soft drink sponsor. I'd just step in with, folks, you don't have to die for lack of a drop of water. No, sir. Go to your nearest grocer and buy six bottles of American wet ginger ale or something. Well, uh, how about one last thrilling example, Milton? Well, Graham, how about this? I'm a riveter on a scaffolding way up on top of a building when suddenly... I'm falling to my death! Oh, help! Help! Where am I? Oh, oh boy, oh boy! A dream! I was dreaming! Oh! <laughs> Sounds like more like the DTs to me. But anyway, thank you very much, Milton Herman. Thank you. <laughs> And now, the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the series of radio dramas dedicated to the supernatural, the unusual, and the unknown. Come with me, my friends. We shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden. Down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of Don't Revenge.
let him stay out there in the freezing cold, pounding on the door and yelling, let me in. Monroe's daughter tried to let him in, but the old man wouldn't let her. So Jeff stayed there in the freezing cold, and the girl heard him say, I'll make you pay for this, Monroe. For as long as Monroe lives, I'll make you pay. And that's the end of the story? Yeah, not by a long shot, young fella. Ever since that time, people have died who stayed in that cabin. People up here say they've heard him pound on the door and yell, Now let me in. And when they do let him in, they die. Real strange-like, they die. The Hall of Fantasy will present Stone's Revenge in just a moment. And now for our story, an original tale of fantasy entitled Stone's Revenge. Jim Loring was my best friend. His sister Betty more than my friend, for we were set to be married the following November. We'd all been working pretty hard, and we figured we needed a rest, so we took a two-weeks vacation and headed up north. Before we left the city, Jim rented a cabin from a real estate broker about 400 miles north of here. We left about three in the morning and drove steadily. Hey, what uh, time is it? Uh... 11.30. Oh, we've made good time. Yeah, that's right. According to the last marker we saw, we ought to be pulling into Wood Lake in a few minutes. How far is the cabin from town, Jim? Well, Gehring, the real estate man, said it was about six miles out of town. You're uh, sure he said there were fish in that lake? <laughs> Some of the best fishing in the state. That's what he said. <laughs> that's what they all say. <laughs> we'll have to stop in town and pick up plenty of food. That's right. Enough to hold us for a few days, anyway. Oh, look, up ahead. I think we're coming to it. Oh, we are. It says, uh, you see, a wood lake, population 709. Hey, big oh, town. You better slow down. You know these small towns. Yeah. The broker in the city said I could get the key to the cabin from the sheriff. It seems he also owns a store here, Sheldon's General Store. Well, if that's the case, we might as well pick up our food there. Yeah, might as well. Hey, look, there it is. Huh? Oh, yeah, I see it. Oh, open that door in a hurry. I... I just hope my muscles haven't frozen in this position. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> oh it feels great. Oh, oh boy. Good. Beautiful day, isn't it? Weather report said we're in for a storm tonight, though. Oh? Well, maybe it'll blow over by tomorrow. Oh, it's nice and cool in here. Yeah. Anything would be cool after driving in that hot sun. Oh, it doesn't seem to be... Oh, yes, there is, leaning back in that chair with a paper over his face. Look. <laughs> He's sound asleep. Pretty alert fellow, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I heard that, young fellow. <laughs> I was only joking. <laughs> Don't you worry, none, son. I can take a joke as well as the next one. <laughs> uh, you'd be wanting something, maybe? Uh, yes, we uh, rented a cabin up here, and we need some food. And you come to the right place. <laughs> yes, sir. Now, what can I do you for? Uh... You'd better take charge here, Betty. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's see. We'll need some eggs. Uh, about two dozen. Coming right up. Yeah. You come in fresh this morning? Uh, where are you staying? Oh, the old Monroe place. A real estate man in the city said we could pick up the key from you. Yep. Yep, I got the key. All right. Yeah, what else, ma'am? Well, let's see. Some bacon, a pound of coffee... Pancake flour, Pancake flour, potatoes, potatoes oranges, oranges, some cream, sandwiches. Yeah, wait, 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 wait a minute. Hold on, ma'am. I got what you said, but don't say no more, because if you do, I'll forget everything. <laughs> <laughs> so you're staying at the old Monroe place, huh? That's right. Let's see now. Coffee, flour, 
You got a five-pound sack of potatoes here. Oh, that'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, go over there and help yourself to some oranges, ma'am, and anything else you see. Just pick it up and set it on the counter here. <laughs> All right. I, I guess that will be the easiest way. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So you're staying at the old Monroe place, huh? Uh, you uh, said that once before. Yeah, I know I did. I know it. I just wanted to be sure it was hearing right. Well, your hearing's all right, Sheriff. Uh, by the way, may we have the key? Sure enough, sure enough. It's right here under the counter, you know. Yeah, long time since that cabin's been rented. Oh? How come? Eh, people just don't like to go up there. Oh, why not? Anything wrong with it? Not exactly. Still the best cabin around these parts. Got a nice refrigerator. <laughs> Indoor plumbing. Real nice place. But uh, you oughtn't to go up there. Why? Because of old Jeff Stone. People around here say they've seen him up there. Oh, he won't bother us. Eh, don't you count on that, young fella. Look, if he comes around the cabin, we'll ask him to leave. Only leaving. That'll be done. It'll be done by you. Why? Is he dangerous? Yeah, yeah, he's dangerous. And he's dead, too. What do you mean? Just what I said. Well, you can't expect us to believe... I don't expect you to believe nothing. I'm just telling you what I know for a fact. The real estate man didn't say anything about... He's only interested in renting it. Now, you listen to what I got to say. So I don't think... Let him talk to you. Thank you, thank you. I'll tell you about what happened up there. About 15 years ago, it was. Old man Monroe hated Jeff Stone. Used to make life miserable for Jeff. And Jeff used to come in here and say that he was going to get even someday. And the hatred inside him would come out on the surface. And it even made me afraid. It was the winter time when it happened. Old man Monroe was in his cabin and there was a big storm outside. One of the worst we ever had up here. His daughter was with him. She was the one who told me what happened. <clears throat> Jeff got himself caught outside in that storm. He knew the only place he could reach was old man Monroe's cabin. So he fought his way through the blizzard, and he got to the cabin half-froze. Yeah, he pounded on the door. Let me in! Let me in! Old Monroe knew it was Jeff outside, and he wouldn't open that door. He let him stay out there in the freezing cold, pounding on the door and yelling, Let me in! Let me in! Well, Monroe's daughter tried to let him in, but the old man wouldn't let her. So Jeff stayed out there and froze to death. But just before he stopped yelling, the girl heard him say... I'll make you pay for this, Monroe. For as long as Monroe lives, I'll make you pay. Yes, sir. In the morning, when the storm was over, they went outside and found him frozen to death. And that's the end of the story? Yeah, not by a long shot, young fella. Ever since that time, people have died who stayed in that cabin. First Monroe's daughter, then him, and then others. Anybody who went up there. People up here say they've heard him pounding on the door and yelling, Let me in! Let me in! And when the folks in the cabin let him in, they die. Real strange-like. They die. We'll return to the Hall of Fantasy in the tale of Stone's Revenge in just a moment. Back now to the Hall of Fantasy in the tale of Stone's Revenge. The sheriff leaned across the counter as he spoke to us. Even though the day was warm, I could feel a chill creep over me as he told us the story of one man's revenge. 
So I wouldn't go up there if I was you. Uh, certainly a frightening story. Yep, sure is. Is there any other cabin around here for rent? Yeah, it's been a busy season up here. Most of the places got people living in them. I got a place, though, I could let you have. Not too bad a place. Let you have it mighty cheap. Maybe we ought to... Nonsense. No, we'll go up to the cabin. Well, it's all right with me. Well, I think that about does it, Sheriff Sheldon. All right, let me see now. Ninety-five for coffee, fifty-seven for bacon. Our uh, eggs. You sure we have everything we need? Well, as long as you two manage to catch a few fish we have. If you don't, then we'll be making quite a few trips into town. Wait till we get out in the boat. Ha, I'll wait until I get the fish into the pan. Yeah, it comes to $11.92. You can check my figures if you want to. Oh, no, we trust you, Sheriff, here. Yep, out of 12. <laughs> yes, me. Always good to have a little business on the side, like this here store. Here's your change. Thank you, sir. Hmm. Uh, you, look, you're sure you don't want to go to my cabin, huh? Oh, we're sure. Well, I warned you, warned you, you're walking in with your eyes open. I hope you walk out that way. <clears throat> that is, alive. Certainly is far enough away from everybody. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing we have a map or we'd be lost. Hey, look, I can see it. Huh? Yeah, hey, so do I. Yeah, it looks pretty nice. Oh, and there's the lake. Oh, it's beautiful. Hey, can I pick him or can I pick him? Oh. This lake is so hard to get to that I, I bet it hasn't been fished much. I could hardly wait to get out there. They ought to be hitting pretty well this afternoon, huh? We'll get the boat off the trailer and whip that lake to a froth. Jim. Mm-hmm. I heard that story that the sheriff was telling you. You don't think there was any truth to it, do you? Of course not. You notice when he finished, he said he had a place that we could rent? Oh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> well, I did. He just wanted to talk us out of coming up here. Always good to have a little business on the side, he said. I wonder how many people he's talked out of coming up here with that crazy story of his. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a few, I suppose. But it, it did frighten me. found the cabin to be in excellent condition. We moved our things in, had a bite to eat, then Jim and I unloaded the boat and went fishing while Betty took a sunbath on the beach in front of the cabin. The big ones weren't hitting, but the panfish were, and when we came in, we had a stringer full of bluegills, crappies, and perch. Betty fixed dinner, and we had all the fish we could eat. The rest of the evening, we took it easy, listening to the radio we'd brought with us or reading. The weather report was right that day. And a little after nine o'clock, it began to rain. Hey, we're right about the rain. Yeah, sounds like it'll be a good one. I hope we don't have rain the whole time we're up here. That would be just our luck. Hey, who turned off the radio? I did. Nobody seemed to be listening to it. Well, put it on, would you? Oh. I want to catch the rest of the news before I turn in. If we're uh, going to get up early tomorrow, we'd better think about turning in. Yeah, we'll hear the news and then call it a day. Okay. And that's the news of the world and the national scene. As for the local news, there's... Ladies and gentlemen, a bulletin has just been handed to me. Lawrence Graham, an inmate of the State Institution for the Criminally Insane, escaped from the grounds a little more than two hours ago. So far, he has not been apprehended. His description follows. Six feet tall, gray hair and brown eyes. Last seen wearing gray shirt and pants. This man is dangerous. If you see him, 
On no account, try to apprehend him, but get in touch with the local police of your area immediately. I repeat, this man is dangerous. Be very careful. Turn it off, Betty. The state hospital is for the criminally insane. That's pretty close to us. I think it's about five or six miles away. Oh, they'll catch you. Don't worry about it. He won't get away. I hope so. Well, I think I'm going to turn in. Listen. What's the matter? I I heard something. So did I. A crash of thunder. No, something else. I I thought I heard a voice. Oh, nonsense. Maybe you're right. Maybe. There it is again. I heard it, too. Yeah, so did I. We'd better take a look outside. All right. No, don't go outside. We'll just stand in the doorway and see if there's anything out here. Do you see anything? No. Nothing. Then come back inside. Yeah. All right. Maybe it was someone lost in the storm. Uh, Or maybe it was the man who escaped. Or Jeff Stone. (laughs) Out there. Yes, there is something out there. We'd better go see what it is. All right, I'll. Let me in! He's outside the door. Let me in! Come on, let's see who it is. Okay. Let me in. I'm glad I found you here. What's the matter with him? I found him lying on the ground about half a mile from here. I've been carrying him ever since. Here, let me help you. Put him down over here. Yeah, it does it. What's wrong with him? I don't know. He, uh, he doesn't seem to... What's the matter with him? He... He's dead. You are listening to the tale of Stone's Revenge on this week's journey down the corridors of the Hall of Fantasy. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now, back to our story, entitled... Stone's Revenge. The storm was getting worse. Outside, thunder roared and the rain fell in torrents. Inside, we turned to look at each other, for a dead man was lying on the couch. Are you sure? There's no pulse. He's dead. Was he dead when you found him? No. Then he must have died while you were carrying him. Yes. Storm's pretty bad. You'd better stay here until it blows itself out. Thanks. Gordon. Yes? Come over here a minute. All right. What do you want? Don't talk so loud. Do you see his clothes? Who's? Well, not the dead man. What's so different about them? Gray shirt and slacks? Remember the broadcast? Gray shirt and slacks. Six feet tall with gray hair and brown eyes. That man fits the description of the one that they put out the warning about. Hmm. What do you think we should do? I don't know. The announcer said he was dangerous. But it might not be him. What if it is? Hey, uh, what are you two talking about? Uh, we, uh, we were wondering if you'd like, uh... Uh, something to eat, sir. No. You, uh, you live around here? At one time. Do you, uh, know who he is? I remember the face very well, but the name escapes me. What, uh, your name? I'd rather not say. <clears throat> well, um... Why don't you drive into town and, and get some cigarettes, Gordon? 
but we have... Uh, yes, we, uh, we're almost out. Uh, I'll go right away. But I don't understand. We don't have enough, Jim. Oh, all right, if you say so. You ought to wear a raincoat. No, I'll be uh, right back. I'll get back as soon as I can with the, with the cigarettes. Hurry, Gordon. Plenty. Did you hear the broadcast about the escaped killer? Yep. Well, there's a man at our cabin who fits that description. You sure? Yeah. He came to the cabin and he was carrying a dead man. What did the dead man look like? Well, blonde. Nice looking fellow. He's dead, huh? Yeah. And we think the other man killed him. The lunatic? Yes. He couldn't have. Why? Because he was captured a few minutes after that broadcast. You must have turned your radio off right after the bullet. Oh, yes, we... we did. But, Sheriff, then, who are the men in our cabin? The men in your cabin? I'll tell you who they are. The young one was Tom Monroe. He was going up to see you. Tom Monroe? Yes. Why? To tell you that it just wasn't a wild story I told you. To tell you to get out of that cabin before it was too late. Then the other man is Jeff. Stone. I told Tom not to go, but he wouldn't listen to me. He said he didn't want any more people to die up there. And so, he died himself. Sheriff, Jim and Betty are still up there. With Jeff Stone? Yes. Well, we're going to have to move awful fast to save him. Come on! so slippery. I hope we can make it up to the top. Hey, we're almost there. Keep driving. Yes. I almost didn't make it down. I got stuck once up there. We'll make her. If anything's happened to them, I don't know what I... Just pay attention to the road. All right. Here's the spot I got stuck in before. Ah, we're not moving. Rocker, little rocker. Right. Ah, no, we're stuck. We're stuck good. Then leave the car here and we'll travel the rest of the way on foot. All right. All right. Let's get out. I can see the lights through the trees. Come on, let's go. All right. It's slippery. Yeah. Watch your step. Betty! Jim, we're coming! I can't hear you, not with this storm and all. Oh, I thought if he heard me. Here, forget it. Just watch. Are you all right? Yeah. I guess so. Here, I'll help you up. Thank you. There you are. All right, let's go. All right. And we're almost there. Yeah. I hope they're all right. We'll go in quietly. Huh? Just open the door and walk in. Right. The storm ought to cover any sounds we make. Right. And you just let me handle this. All right. Here we go. It's locked. We'll have to break it down together then. Here all right. Well, that was Betty. we got to get that door down. Right. That's it. That's it. Betty, Betty, what's wrong? You. Well, of course. I brought the sheriff with me. Where's the man that was here? Oh, he's gone. I I thought it was him returning when you crashed against the door. That's why I screamed it. I was afraid. Well, I want to be sure that... Yep, 
It's Tom Monroe, all right. You know this man? Yeah, he's the grandson of old man Monroe, who murdered Jeff Stone by letting him freeze to death outside. Jeff Stone's revenge is over now. But, but if he killed other people that came here, then why didn't he hurt us? Revenge is a strange thing, ma'am. In Jeff Stone's case, I think it was strong enough to bring him back from the grave to try to even the score. And so he killed old man Monroe over again every time someone died here. And when he killed young Tom here, then his feeling for revenge left him. Why? Tom was the last of the Monroes, Mr. Blake. Jeff Stone's revenge is complete now. Yes, sir, it's complete now. And he can rest quiet in his grave. Characters and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more old-time radio. I hope you can join us then. Till then, this is Jim Dolan thanking you for listening.